Hello, welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode number 165. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. All right, good. Yeah. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good myself. I can't complain. Really can't complain. This week on the show, we'll be getting Film Pulse contributor Ernie Trinidad back on to talk about Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh and we'll also be reviewing Quentin Dupio's latest reality, which is available on VOD right now. We'll also be going over some of what we've been watching, and of course, we'll be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and blur releases. Remember, you can send us your questions at podcast.filmpulse.net or leave us a comment on the site. We'd love to hear from you. And be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com filmpulse. And subscribe for as little as $1 per month. You'll be helping out the show. You'll be helping out the site. It'll be great. It'll be great for everyone involved. All involved. Uh, One piece of in-house business to take care of before we get started. Our official iPhone and iPad app is available on the App Store. So be sure to check that out. One of our biggest things that we have on our site, and I'm not sure if you know about this, is our video on demand calendar. We have a ongoing calendar that we keep up to date every day and it has all the latest pre-theatrical and day and date video on demand releases. Uh, A lot of people seem to like that we keep that and uh, we just incorporated that into the app so you can have that on the go. You can listen to our latest podcast episodes, you can read all the latest reviews. It's a really nice uh, easy to use interface And it's free, so you can just go to the App Store on iTunes and download it on your device. Get it, get that app. Yeah, it's uh, we've been getting good feedback from it so far. Nice. Yeah, so I haven't used. I like it. I haven't used it. Yeah, if you if you have an Android phone, you're kind of out of luck at this point. We may be we may be trying to get an Android version up up at some point, but for now. We're just focusing on the uh, iOS version. Gotcha. So check it out. Just go to the App Store, type in Film Pulse, and it'll pop up right away. Uh, you can also, we have a link on the website. If, if you go to the website, you'll see it on the right sidebar there, and you can check it out there. Again, I'll, I'll make another quick plug for SoundCloud, because we're on SoundCloud now. So if you have the SoundCloud app, you can follow us and get all the latest podcast episodes right from SoundCloud, and uh, I, I wasn't sure if we were going to stick with that, but I think it, that it's working out nicely, so we're going to keep updating SoundCloud and have all of our stuff available on there, as well as iTunes and on the site and all that, so we're, uh, we're getting out there, we're, we're, we're branching so, out. We're so techy. <laughs> we're getting so yeah. techy, man, I can't keep up with it. Yeah. All right, let's uh, go ahead and talk about reality. This is directed by Quentin Dupio. Uh, Now, let me go ahead and read the synopsis here. A wannabe director is given 48 hours by a producer to find the best groan of pain worthy of an Oscar as the only condition to back his film. Uh, Uh That really, (laughs) man, that really only scratches the surface of this movie. (laughs) That hardly, that hardly says anything about the movie. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, This stars Elaine Chappelle. Shabbat, John Heater's in there, Eric Wareheim, Kyla Kennedy is in there, and she plays Reality. Now, I have a review for this up on the site, so <laughs> we'll start with you, Kevin. 
What did you think of reality? Mm. Now, what what do you think I thought of it? I think you. Hmm. I, I, I think you probably didn't like this one. You think I didn't like this one? Is that what you're going with? I don't know. It, it's tough because even after I watched it, I couldn't quite decide if I liked it or not. Because, well, we'll what, did, what did you think? We'll get into it. Yeah. I loved it. Oh, really? I loved it. Wow, okay. I think it's Dubia's best film. It's just it's just dream after dream after dream. It's all tied together, and it's so nonsensical, but at the same time makes sense. And it's just ridiculous. It's just, it's right up my alley. I wouldn't... I didn't think that it was his best. I think I still liked Wrong more. Um, but I will say that... I think I said this in my review, that it's certainly his most complex movie. Because there's layer upon layer upon layer of it's just, there's just so, craziness. There's so many dreams and nightmares and films within dreams and dreams within films. Yeah. And it's just and, and all ridiculous. I love how the characters dream about each other. So you'll have one character that's in the dream of another character, but you'll never really know who's dreaming what. And it, it's just this spider web of craziness. But I also love the fact that from the outset, you know, it's not like he he employs this whole, you know, waking up from a dream just to like throw you for a loop and everything. Like most movies do where it's kind of lazy, you know, where there's just crazy shit going on and then boom, someone wakes up and it's like, was yeah. it real or wasn't it? This is just constant throughout the film. It's not like he's trying to trick you or anything. Right. And it's just, it, and because everything is a dream, essentially, you just kind of, you just let it go. You just, just let it go and enjoy yourself. Don't sit there and yep. try and figure it out and put the puzzle pieces together because it's just all a dream it's just that's all dreams I, see that's what one thing that i like about his movies is that they challenge you to try to figure it out and even though at this point i know that there's not going to be any sense to be made with his movies just by watching it i'm still trying to figure it out you know it's like i can't help it but try to put the pieces together and f- and m- try to fit everything into place. Yeah. Even though in the back of my mind, I know that that's not going to be possible. Because <laughs> I, I still try. You know, he starts it off and you think, okay, this is the reality of the film. This is like the main reality narrative. And then you find out that that's a movie. So you're like, oh, okay, so it's not that. So this is the reality. But then you find out that that's a dream version well, that goes into dreams, but that's also like another reality of the film. So everything just becomes a dream or a different reality throughout the entire film. He just keeps, you know, throwing it out the window where you think, yeah. okay, this is the reality of what's happening. Oh, no, it's not. Okay, now I'm in another dream. Now I'm in someone else's dream. Now I'm in a dream that's within the film. And then there's another film that's a dream of the other dream. And yeah. it's. <laughs> It's just, and you never, it's yeah, just, you, it's fantastic. You never know. You never know what's a dream, what's real, what's fantasy, what's what's not, and it really could all be just. It's, it's all a dream. Yeah, it's all it a dream. All, it's, because everything that uh, Shabbat's doing as Jason Tantra, well, I, you don't, I, you don't want to get into it. You know what I mean? I, like, yeah. I, 
I want to explain it, but at the same time, I don't. You get, you just got to go in not knowing anything and just, just you know, tuck yourself just, in, enjoy yeah, the ride. Just, all you got to know is he's looking for that perfect groan, he's like gotta, the synopsis says. He's got to find that groan. That, he that has perfect tr- groan. He has, he has trouble, too. Yeah, so... It's difficult to find a good groan nowadays. So basically, the film follows um, three or four main storylines. There's there's several smaller plots. It's all kind of tied together. I would say that the the Shabbat storyline is the main yeah. through line through, through it all. He's the one that kind of connects everybody together. But then you have like the John Heater character, who is this children's show character who's having <laughs> an eczema. <laughs> what the fuck yeah. is that show? Why is he Hell, dressed I, like a rat? He's dressed like a rat and he's doing a cooking segment. He's doing a cooking segment where the only question is, do you believe in God? He has eczema inside of his mind. It's just, yeah. it's ridiculous. And then you have the Kyla Kennedy character of reality and she's all about figuring out what's on this blue vhs tape she found inside of a boar a boar's <laughs> body <laughs> that her father shot and gutted and then you have eric wareheim's character as a man who likes to wear a dress and drive around in a military jeep or but does he that's a dream we well and then it comes out that it's here, not here, a dream. So what is yeah, it? Yeah, well, see, that's that's what with that one because he's telling his therapist, who happens to be Jason's uh, wife, and with that one, I thought that he was trying to talk to her about it without admitting that it was real. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you tell somebody, like, I have this friend who, yeah, yeah, but, but you're really talking about yourself. I thought that at first I thought that that's what it was where he was trying to say tell her that it was a dream because he didn't want her to know that he was really doing this. Yeah. And then when they show him doing it, it was real, but then of course, you don't know. Then of course you don't know because we see there's that scene when reality meets up with him. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's such a uh complex yeah, mess. and then the whole reality <laughs> thing is just part of John Glover, who plays Zog, who's making a movie, so that right, you know, yeah, because we see <laughs> her stuff on the movie screen, yeah. So there's another movie going on. But uh, then, it, then the, the thing that makes it even more complicated is when you see a scene from that movie, and then sh- reality's <laughs> watching on TV them in real life watching the movie. <laughs> Uh, And you're just like, what? Oh, my God. I love it. I just love it. It's just just the the the, there's so much to like in this movie for me. The Eric Wareheim, his first just everything that's going on with him and the way that it ends where he just shows up at that old guy's house. Yeah. And he's like, are you the old man that lives here? Why should I give a (laughs) shit? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, mm. I didn't. I actually didn't find it that funny. I, I didn't find myself laughing. I was. Too much. I was chuckling a good bit, especially the 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 producer character. He was just so ridiculous, and that you know he kept forcing Jason Tantra to smoke. Yeah, to, you know to he make to, to make to make the movie look good, but 
he Jason Tantra is such a terrible smoker, and he kept getting pissed off and putting it out because <laughs> <laughs> he was a terrible smoker. Let's let's mm. face it, he was just awkward. It was awful. No one should have to see that. There's nothing worse than <laughs> terrible smoking. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that this one, if you're familiar with the films of Quentin Dupieux, I think that this is absolutely worth a look. I think for people going into this not knowing what it's about, they're going to be very confused and maybe a little frustrated with it just because... But also, I think it's kind of his most accessible film, I think. You know, there's stuff that you can latch onto here that actually makes a good amount of right. sense. It's, yeah, just, it's, just, it's just housed within a dream. So, you know, everything gets a bit cloudy. Yeah, uh, there's no, like... Like in Wrong, how the tree changed and stuff like that, where it's not, you know, it's just completely out of left field. Yeah. There's nothing like that in this, really, where it's com- just completely yeah. crazy. And you're not, you know, it's not like a guy's just taking a shit in the middle of the street. Right. Or we're going through dog poop memories. Yeah, I think that <laughs> it probably is his most. Because, yeah, I guess I could agree with that. Now, what did you think of Jason Tantra's waves? Waves. Because <laughs> I actually want to see waves when he goes to the theater and gets to see it. A, a well, film that just has TVs killing people and it's just nonstop heads exploding. Sounds amazing to me. Well, it's not unlike rubber. It's a lot. I mean, the, the plot of waves about TVs that become sentient and kill people is not, not a whole lot different than now, rubber. Now, I haven't seen but... rubber. So, what happens in waves? Is that what happens in rubber? Well, in rubber, it's just about one tire that becomes sentient. But I mean, do makes... the ears explode and blood? Goes yes. He... Are you serious? Yeah, he makes oh, people. Shit. Yeah, he makes people's head heads explode. Okay, I have to watch rubber. That needs to happen. Yeah, rubber is definitely. It's it's interesting. Just it's... The, just the look, <laughs> just the look of waves. The look of that film looked fantastic. I want to see that. I want to see waves. Make I'd that say happen. Watch rubber. I think if you watch Rubber, you'll it's I'll get my wave, a lot like I'll, Waves. I'll, I'll get my Waves kick? I think so, yeah. I, it's been a long time since I've seen Rubber, but from what I remember, yeah. All right, well, I went. I gave, in my review, I gave it a, I gave Reality a 7 out of 10. What are you going to give Reality? Mm, I'm going to give it an 8. 8, wow, okay. So this uh, you can see on Video On Demand right now. It is playing in, I think it may just be playing in New York. So if you're in New York, you can check it out. I think it's playing at the IFC Center. Otherwise, give it a rent on Amazon. It's probably on iTunes as well. But yeah, definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you like Dupia's other films, because it's it's certainly wor- <laughs> very weird. It's an odd one. It's fantastic, though. But I, I love, I just love movies that do this, where it's, layer upon layer upon layer and it's movies within movies and things like that i just i love it i Dude, love that and i think the the reason that i like this more so than most of his films is it it didn't feel like it was just being weird for the sake of being weird yeah that's true a, a lot of times in his movies he'll just throw stuff in that he thinks will look cool or yeah. be funny or... and it, and for any and, and also sometimes when he does that he he seems to to hold on to something a bit too long you know what I mean? Where he stays on a joke 
It just doesn't work, and he just keeps going with it and going with it and going with it. And you're like, okay, let's move on to something else, please. Yeah. But here, everything, I thought the pace was great. It looked fantastic. The music was great. The performances, everything. I just enjoyed myself. It's a good time. Good time all around. Great. Well, I'm glad you liked it. It's a surprise. I didn't think I would enjoy this that much. But but here I fucking am, Adam. Here I am. <laughs> well, I, I, I certainly enjoyed it more than Wrong Cops. That was a big disappointment for me. But his other movies I, I liked quite a bit. I haven't seen Steak and the other early movie that he did. But yeah, Good check stuff. it out, reality. All right, let's talk about some Avengers Age of Ultron. Ernie Trinidad's back on the show. Ernie, how you doing, sir? Oh, thrilled to be back. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. We'll have to we'll have to definitely get you back on for Mad Max as well. And I think Kevin's going to actually see that one too. So we'll, it'll actually be uh, all I think, of us. Yeah, I think it should be mandatory that everybody sees that movie because this is a not to get off topic, but if movies that need to be a success, this is one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Well, and apparently there's going to be four of them total, right? Didn't George yeah. Miller say that there was going to be three more? Um, I be- I think initially Miller said two, but Tom Hardy said he signed for three more. <laughs> so it all depends on the box office. And this is a movie that not genre fans just need to get behind and just make sure that they make more. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, just judging by the trip, like I, st- I had to stop watching all the trailers that were coming out because I was just getting, I was getting too excited, and I want to go into it as knowing as little as possible because I know that I'm right, gonna right. freaking love this movie. So, anyway, let's get back to the task at hand with Avengers: Age of Ultron. This is written and directed by Joss Whedon. I have a synopsis here. When Tony Stark tries to jumpstart a dormant peacekeeping program, things go awry, and it's up to the Avengers to stop the villainous Ultron from enacting his terrible plans. This stars pretty much everybody from all the other Marvel movies. We got Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, James Spader as Ultron, and we'll get to that. Samuel L. Jackson, Don Cheadle, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver, Elizabeth Olsen as Scarlet Witch, Paul Bettany as Vision, uh, Kobe Smulders, Anthony Mackie, Haley Atwell's in there, little cameo oh, yeah, from Peggy, Peggy Carter. Idris Elba. Idris Elba in a little, yeah, I mean everybody. Yeah. Everybody, everybody from all the other ones in this movie. Uh, so we'll start with you, Ernie. What did you, what are your initial thoughts on Avengers Age of Ultron? Um, for pure fun, it wasn't as good as the Avengers, but it was fun on a whole nother level, like Empire Strikes Back level, where you think Star Wars is easily the most fun, but Empire is by far the best. Uh, I mean, not to say that Age of Ultron is the best one, but there's just so much that Whedon did in this one that it actually in many ways improved Bond and was much more richer than what the initial one was. I mean, the first one was fantastic because it's the first time ever in cinematic history we've ever seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. And it worked, even though everyone's like, everything said it's like it shouldn't, but it did. But here right. he, he just went all Empire Strikes Back. And mm-hmm. there was like so many things he did with this one that I was not expecting. So. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of middle movie feel to it. Like with the first Avengers, the the good thing about it was that they didn't have to spend a lot of time uh, developing characters because they did that in all the individual films. So they didn't have to waste any time on doing that, but 
they did have to assemble the team. They had to get the team together and then have them learn how to start working together as a team. So that was new. In this movie, it just drops you right in. They're already a team now. And they they already know how to work together. They've been working together for a while. And -hmm. the way that the movie starts, it just drops you into a mission that they're in the middle of. And so, yeah, I can definitely see the comparisons to Empire. I don't... I, I don't know if I, I don't think I liked this as much as the first Avengers, but I think that it goes back to what you said about the first Avengers being completely new. It was like nothing we've ever seen before. A lot of people going into it had little to no expectations for it, and it surprised everybody. With this one, I went into it already knowing uh, what to expect, and by and large, it was pretty much exactly what I expected. Right. That isn't to say that I thought the movie was bad, but I guess it's just, I don't know, maybe it lost a little bit of its luster. And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. this this movie is not a whole lot different than every other superhero slash Avengers movie. You know, there's a villain that's trying to take over the world or destroy the world. Right. And But it's... I was thinking about it, you know, and and I thought that the whole the the main plot of this movie was a little bit lackluster, you know. This time they're fighting robots instead of aliens, you know. Right. It's just not a whole lot different than the first one, but but it's still, being, still a pretty formative villain that obviously you need a team of Avengers to fight. So right? Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, what they're kind of limiting them, they're kind of limited in the storylines that they can tackle uh, because you have. It, you need to have something that is worthy of this team to get together and fight. You know, it has to be something that's threatening the world. Mm-hmm. I think that the only other thing that they could do is create a story like Civil War, where it's uh, fighting within the group. I think you could probably develop a, an entire movie out of that, where they're fighting right. with each other. But other than that, which I, I'm hoping that they're going to handle with Civil War, um, other than that, it's got to be something that's threatening the world. And yeah. I thought that Ultron was a fantastic villain. I, like, I didn't... That was one of the surprises. I didn't expect James Spader to have uh, such personality as Ultron. Yeah, not just that, but actually be James Spader. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he doesn't even change his voice, but his delivery and his sarcasm and the way he was written was just like... <laughs> It's like a yeah. Ultron's got attitude. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought the character of Ultron was great. I thought that was one of the biggest and best surprises of of this film. Right, because he was and, badass. Um, he was so he was so oh, evil, yeah. and and a lot of things he does in the uh, like just escalates and just how he just moves along and the things he does like accidentally but intentionally, and then he just kind of like plays it off as like oh that'll be okay. It's like without saying what exactly went down, but. Yeah, I questioned his motives. Um, I questioned his motives several times throughout the movie because at first it seems like he's just trying to kill everybody, but then he's trying to like turn himself into a human, and his priorities seem to change a little bit. And it just seemed like he was a little bit wishy-washy on what he was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. That's like his progression was that his intention was to first kill the Avengers, and then he started developing, and then he's like, oh no, I'm gonna. Uh... I'm just going to kill the world. And then he's like, oh, wait, I can actually make myself a body. 
like okay yeah. we'll do that and like okay i'll make, make myself a body and then rule the world okay that's that's my plan <laughs> so. yeah yeah um the, regarding going back to the opening scene, there's the, the movie just drops you right into the an action scene, and this movie is like ninety percent action scenes. There's, I mean, this is like all action. Uh, right. That scene, that opening scene, that's supposed to clearly get you amped up and ready for what's coming, it yeah. didn't really work for me. I thought it was way too loaded with CG. It felt animated to me. And there was just too much CG going on in that opening scene. I thought that some parts of it were cool, like the the scene when Captain America flipped his through through his motorcycle over his head. Yeah. I thought that was cool. But I think my uh, uh, yeah, my favorite part about that was when uh, Cap and Thor got together. Yeah, and, uh, with Thor the hammer just and hammer yeah. like slams the hammer awesome. down the shield for a sonic boom that <laughs> knocked the entire army out of the way. That was so, that was great. That was cool. Uh, I guess it was delivering it for me. That nobody scene just felt like a straight out of a comic book. I mean, it's like that money shot that was in the trailer, or like I guess that one of the first major photos that came out. That's like straight right. out of a two-page panel or whatever. Yep. Whatever. Yeah, it's where called. they're flying. Pa- splash page. Yeah. I guess it's called. Yeah, and, where uh, it's all of them flying through the wall, and you can see all of them. Yeah, that that was that was cool. I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that that opening sequence. Just, it just felt too cartoony to me i guess but i was just uh it, it's interesting it's, though it's because a comic book movie I, I know i get it <laughs> i get it but that that's kind of the thing about that i find interesting about the marvel movies versus the dc movies where in the comic books the marvel comics are always the more serious of of the two they're they're always the ones that are that take a more grounded approach and that they're they're a little bit darker than the DC side, whereas the DC side is more comic booky. They're they're lighter, but on the movie side, it's the exact mm. opposite. The Marvel movies are the ones that are light and feel like comic books, even though this is a this story gets pretty dark at places. It's mm. still very upbeat and colorful and bright. Whereas when we see the Batman v Superman trailer, it's like it's black. It's dark. It's mm-hmm grim it's dire and i'm not i I don't know if uh i just don't know if dc should be heading down that road you know it feels like a very uh early 2000s thing to go dark yeah i'm still not convinced that it's the whole path the dc universe is going on is is gonna work because i'm like it it the entire dc universe can't be the dark knight trilogy because then it just won't it just won't work i mean come on a guy who lives underwater (laughs) Yeah, yeah am i really I just, supposed to buy that into that if this is like in the dark knight universe <laughs> exactly and i think that that's where uh the marvel movies are succeeding it's that everything every character has their own voice they have their own style the, the movies although they all definitely feel like marvel movies and a lot of them are structured very similarly to one another they all feel like that they're their own stories and their own characters and right. and i like that and i like you know the the look of age of ultron it's uh it looks it looks great it looks like a marvel mm-hmm. movie uh, the one thing i loved most about this was all the the character stuff now, not just the interactions and the banner but just like in all the midst of all the mayhem he actually stops to give further depth to each character even more yeah. so than in their standalone movies i'm like thinking it's like 
I was not expecting an entire Hawkeye background. I wasn't right. expecting yeah, more that... about Natasha and more about Thor or or Tony. I'm like, like wow, I was not expecting all that like like view into their psyche. <laughs> like, and yeah, like, and, oh, that and... really made it even like more interesting. And it's like really see where all these guys are coming from and how Ultron is essentially and company are messing things up. Yeah, and I thought that that was an interesting thing to add, especially the Hawkeye stuff. They really. Mm-hmm spend some time on developing him out in this movie, which I thought was pretty, pretty interesting. And they, they make mention that, you know, he's just a regular guy yeah. fighting alongside these super powered people. And that, yeah, it's you know, kind he... of, it's kind of funny how that unfolded and both in front of the camera and behind the scenes, how dealing with Hawkeye and how everyone says like, Oh, Whedon likes to kill people off. And <laughs> Everybody was thinking as the movie was unfolding, it was like, and they started developing characters, and Hawkeye was probably the lower tier of the Avengers, and then it really started developing. He's like, they're going to kill him off. That was like, that was total Walking Dead syndrome. The moment hmm. you start developing character and really sympathetic or something, you're, you're dead in that episode or yeah. the next episode. And I'm like, oh, wow, they're really laying on the thing. They're going to kill off Hawkeye in this one. That's like, but then I also thought back, it's like, no, wait, Renner confirmed that he's in Civil War. So it's. So that just stole, unless that was a ruse. And then it's like, okay, well, that kind of ruined the surprise of whether or not they're going to kill him off or not. Mm. So, so that was like weighing in my mind. And I think it's like, are they, will they, won't they? And yeah. We'll see the movie to find out <laughs> or wait for the spoiler now, section. <laughs> let's talk about some of the newer characters that they added in here. In addition to uh, Ultron, obviously we have uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Elizabeth Olsen as Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did, what did you think of, the addition of those two characters? Um, well, obviously we're tainted with uh, the Quicksilver of uh, X-Men Days of Future's Past, and uh, we had our introductory to what the character is there. Um, in this iteration, he was an interesting character, um, probably the least developed of the two new characters, um, probably for obvious reasons once you see the film. And uh, I really liked uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch because I think they developed her more than him. And uh, just basically revelate because she has the ability to plant thoughts and do mind control and actually see visions of other people's thoughts and dreams. Mm -hmm. And as she does that, she starts piecing together what exactly is going on. And her, her initial intention is revenge. And then she starts seeing what's going on with the Avengers, what's going on with Ultron. And then her conscience starts developing because like, is, aven- is vengeance the best path to take right now? So, right. so that was really interesting that they actually gave her the ability to not like switch on a dime, but actually start. You could see that the wheels are turning, that she's wondering, am I doing the right thing or the wrong thing here? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because initially, well, they are bad guys in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, they're going against the Avengers. And I think that it's good to have the Avengers fighting other superpowered people mm. and not just hordes of aliens and robots, you know, like yeah. th- them going up I mean, against just, other villains. I, I like that idea. Yeah. yeah just uh, two lesser villains were easily able to like tear them apart. <laughs> so, right. I mean, to take out a, take Ultron out of the equation. And it's like, like yeah, these two are pretty... Pretty formidable. I think that they were... The main reason that they were included was 
to set things up for where this is all going. And that's one of the big nitpicks I had with this movie is that it all felt like a setup for what's to come. Almost every little piece of plot in this felt like setup. The yeah, same well, goes. That, that, that's true to say for all of these two films. This is obviously the next one is leading to this one. This is the name of this one. This is the deal for this one. And then, so now they get to phase three. And I th- I'm just getting a little tired of that. I'm feeling fatigued with that like i just want there to be a story i want there to be a story with a beginning a middle and an end i don't want because this one felt really uh egregious to to me it was like the second hobbit movie where it just didn't feel complete at all and with this one just every little thing felt like like the introduction of vision for instance the only reason and vision is a badass paul bettany was great as vision but Really, the only reason to have him in this movie is to set up what's to come with the Infinity War movies. And, like, sure, he was a badass, but if you're going to have such an elaborate setup, I don't know. I don't know how I would have done it if I was them, but it just felt like uh, everything was just one giant piece of what's coming. I didn't really feel that. Yeah, I didn't really feel that Infinity War, but it basically just the creation of another character that they needed to fight Ultron. But, um, but just the way they, I thought the way that they handled it was great. Um, to see, they're they're like uh, going away from his comic book origins because like everybody knows Tim. I can't remember where Vision actually came from. So my my introduction to Avengers was through the uh, the Disney cartoon. Right. So uh, made the definitive decision on on what to do. And uh, just the way they handled that and how it was unfolded, I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked what they did with that too, and how they introduced him and all that stuff. And I wanted more of Vision. I thought he was a complete badass in this. But uh, but um, it's been like all over the web, and from Whedon himself, that his initial cut was nearly four hours long, and apparently some he cut down almost an hour or so of scenes that probably really flesh out what needs tinkering. So maybe the the uh, direct cut or extended cut, whenever that comes out, will probably be the definitive cut of Ultron. But, uh, I guess yeah, that I would mean, be my only issue. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that they will do something like that where they come out with uh, a director's cut. Because I know that they he said that there was a scene with Loki that got cut out. Yeah. And a, a lot of it... Like, there was a different ending? <laughs> there was... Um, yeah, that's right. I did read that too, that there's there was an alternate ending. Like there were a lot of pieces to this that I didn't really, uh, I didn't really understand. Like there was a, a scene with Thor uh, when he went back to, or I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say Thor goes to Asgard and there's a scene with Idris Elba, and I didn't really understand what the hell yeah. that was all about. Like yeah. I, I have no yeah. idea what that was all about. Because then he comes back and he's like, "Oh, I gotta go. I gotta take yeah. care of something." And he, and it's like, "Well, w- wait a minute. What was that all about?" Right. I, I don't know if ended up uh, seeing the film the second time, hear everything that's going down, and without dealing with the audience freaking out, although freaking audiences were freaking out. But uh, the visions that uh, Scarlet Witch gave everyone was more but not only losing their psyche, but actually show um, if they're staying on the path they're on. Like, for example, with Tony not giving anything away, he's given that vision that he basically destroyed the Avengers because he didn't do enough, and that set him in motion. Apparently, Thor does something or did something that 
basically into turmoil, which obviously is probably going to be covered in Ragnarok. So that was it. Yeah, I forgot about Thor, the Ragnarok that was coming out. So yeah, I'm sure that that alluded to that. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, it felt like everything felt like teasers. <laughs> everything in the, in the movie felt yeah, like a teaser yeah. to me. I mean, we're basically accustomed to the Marvel movies that it's going to in some way set up the next one. But for me, I know you felt like the entire movie was a lot of setup, but for me, this didn't set up mu- as much as I was expecting. I was expecting to see more siege planning for Civil War than what they mm-hmm. did. And um, and even allusions to Amma, I was expecting there was an allusion to uh, Wakanda, but I was totally expecting... Uh, Chitala to pop up somewhere because they already cast Black Panther, but that never happened. And then there was like talks about Spider Man, and like, nope, that never happened. And it's like this really, unlike Avengers, really just focused on the battle with Ultron. And they pretty much knew that if you're going in, you already know what's going to happen. So it's as right. like, yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to tell you that. You know it's coming. So I think I think that uh, the pieces of Civil War were. In there, I think that because there there was a lot more conflict between Captain America and Tony Stark in this, yeah. and I think that they were putting in little, just little tiny seeds of what's going to happen with Civil War. Yeah, and th- I thought that that was cool. I thought that right. they handled that pretty. In yeah, the characters do come to blows even without mind control. So. Right, um, exactly. And I thought that. Uh, I thought that the Hulk was again almost a, a show a show stealer in this movie. He yeah. was just, but here's the thing: like I was thinking about it because the Hulk, maybe he does more in this than in the first Avengers, but he um, he doesn't do a lot. I mean, he he's he's got more screen time, mm-hmm. but he only he comes and he goes, and yeah. I think that that's just the right amount of time. You don't want to spend too much time with the Hulk because then I feel like it kind of dilutes what he does. And I thought that he had just the right amount of screen time, especially the fight with uh, with Iron Man. I thought that that fight was whew, loved it. Yeah, yeah, it was like amazing and brutal and funny, yeah. <laughs> unexpectedly. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like you you get the uh, the gravitas of the situation because uh, you're like thinking you know there are banners in there, you know, and you know he's in trouble, but like how are they going to stop this? And what are the repercussions? And the fact that they don't like steer away from the repercussions they actually flat out address it it's like like oh cool because that that is definitely one one seed of civil war that is clearly planted mm-hmm. uh, dealing with uh, bruce banner and, exactly uh, and uh, the dis not, not just not the distrust with the avengers but just the distrust with banner slash hulk and, uh, maybe in a way the hulk is actually the uh, looking back hulk is the uh, the seed for civil war uh, Stark and Banner are friends. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, it, it's interesting that they're ta- they're doing the Civil War storyline within a Captain America movie because it feels like it should definitely be an Avengers movie. It seems yeah. like because everybody's involved. At, at least if they're right. if they're yeah. making it similar to the comics, everybody's involved in that. I would think structurally, it seems like uh, Dawn of Justice, where it's not officially a a Superman sequel, but um. It's uh, its own separate separate entity, even though they called they are calling this one Captain America three, but um, but it feels like it's more than just a Captain America story. So, yeah, exactly. That, yeah. So it's like a wonder. Like obviously that's not setting up anything for an Infinity War. This is its own movie. So it's a question of how they're going to resolve this one. So I guess 
It, it seems like again, that's th- that one seems like a lot to resolve in one movie, though, to me. Because mm-hmm. the Civil War story was a pretty big deal in the Marvel in the Marvel universe, and I'm I'm assuming yeah. that I mean people are talking about that that's where they're going to introduce Spider Man into the Marvel yeah. Studios universe. Mm-hmm. So and uh, uh, probably Blank Black Panther too, I think. Or maybe I even would... maybe even Doctor Strange. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know what what they're gonna do with that. And yeah, I think uh, going back to what you were saying about including Black Panther in in this in Age of Ultron, I think it would have been cool to have some more uh, characters just pop in as as little yeah. cameos. I mean, there there's already. I mean, we got like Falcon and War Machine in there. People mm. that I didn't expect to see in this movie, but yeah. having Spidey. You know, maybe even just showing him in the background swing by or something right. in a scene. I think that that would have been really cool and right. and I mean something easily that they that they'd be able to put in there. Yeah, I remember joking around with friends that it's like I see the perfect tag for this one would be just to set up Spider Man would just have Jay Jonah sitting in the bugle reading the paper and it's J.K. Simmons putting it down the screen. Parker, get in here. That's all you need. <laughs> it's like, yep. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a perfect. And, and then you know, okay, the partners in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's like great, but um, that would have been, yeah, that would definitely would have been cool. But oh well, we didn't get that. But um, but just overall, it was like for me, I really enjoy. It felt like a comic book movie to me, and like like panel, especially the the final assembly in the church, just the way that unfolded. Was yeah, just the like, uh... you're, yeah, you're just flipping pages flipping it's like yeah just looking at panels like this is that this is that like this is just straight out of a comic book yeah that that was that slow motion shot where they were flipping when they were switching to each character that was mm-hmm. the probably the most comic booky uh feeling shot i probably have ever seen in mm-hmm. in one of these marvel movies i mean and i, I thought it worked i liked that yeah. scene quite a bit actually and i thought I, I thought it did work um yeah i think I think it also would have been cool to incorporate more of the uh, the Netflix Marvel stuff. I mm. have you seen Daredevil? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of uh, ruined my ability to watch other Marvel TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was so good. Oh my god. Well, the only nitpick I have about Daredevil—well, it's not a nitpick—but I just wish that they would have incorporated more of the Marvel universe into Daredevil, like. I think it would have been cool to have maybe a little cameo from Daredevil in Avengers Age of Ultron right. because a lot of this takes place in New York yeah. and I th- I feel like they they could have thrown him in there. Well, if 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 anything, I I'm almost positive that though because Infinity Wars is a two-parter and uh, looking back on the uh, Earth Mightiest Heroes, the the Disney uh, animated series that's on Netflix and if you haven't watched it, binge watch um there's the final episode of that iteration was the avengers versus galactus and everybody in the marvel universe came together to fight him including every character that is going to be introduced in the four uh netflix series so um except maybe jessica jones but they all came together in that 24 minute episode to fight galactus and they each served their purpose working around the globe to help fight him and i'm thinking Wow, I'm like, this is this would be like make an incredible movie. This would be awesome, but they haven't officially said. But they're saying, yeah, they could very well bring all of the MCU together to fight Thanos, which means the Defenders, 
and right. Ant-Man, Guardians, and all the other characters they introduce between now and, and the first Infinity War. So it's just going to be like like a nerd joygasm, I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that's a, a hugely ambitious. Uh, I can't even imagine. Did they... Mm. Did they announce? They did announce the director of that, didn't they? Part yeah, it's the uh, it's the Russo brothers. They're gonna be doing. Oh, that's uh, right. That's they're doing right. Civil War and Infinity War one and two. So that's right. So Phase Three is obviously gonna be total setup for Infinity War. <laughs> Although I don't is, know where Ant, Ant- Man's gonna fit. So. I was just gonna ask you: is is Ant Man Phase Two or Phase Three? Is I because don't know because in based on their previous standards, it's like the movie that follows after follows an Avenger is the next phase, but you don't really know where Ant-Man fits. So I guess you gotta yeah. wait until the movie comes out to find out uh, what it is. And I think there's only three other films between now and Infinity War. So yeah, we have, uh, it there's, was their civil, civil war, Ragnarok and strange and Dr. Strange. What about in humans? When is that one? Yeah, that's, think that's between infinity war or after infinity war so that's still a ways off so yeah i mean even now thinking of all the crossovers with agents of shield they're now playing with the inhumans so maybe the inhumans will be introduced into uh, infinity war yeah i thought that was interesting how they uh mentioned them in that show which i don't i don't like that show but i watch <laughs> just for the the connections yeah, I felt like I had to watch it because of that. And then after watching Daredevil, I'm like, I'm like I thought she was just okay. I'm just like watching it just because I know I don't want to miss anything. But then like after watching Daredevil, I'm like, I just stopped watching. <laughs> and then there's like, oh yeah, you should have seen the season finale. It's totally tied into the Avengers. Like, what do they do? It's like, oh, it was like set up. It's like, oh well, I guess I not really. really. Need to, I don't really it, need to see that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's not really. Really, they they mention they mention something and then there's like a yeah. very loose tie in. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just like, like what they did with, uh, with, uh, the other Avengers. Mm. Yeah, it's like, it's just with, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, with daredevil, they just like mentions like, Oh yeah. It's like probably because you weren't in a, uh, carrying a hammer and in an iron suit, probably getting your ass kicked. It's like, it didn't flat out say, Hey, it's the Avengers. It's like, no, they, they know they're out there or, or just newspaper articles. You can see of the battle in New York. It's like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was... Uh, I, I liked those little threads that they put in to Daredevil. I thought that that was yeah. So, cool. But I think the challenge was because there are so... One of my other issues, so many characters in Age of Ultron. I think they did just enough of a balance to service every character arc, but it seemed like they were really doing everything they can to give everybody their moment. And I think it's like, yeah, you probably need that in there. Yeah, that probably didn't need that in there, but I'm like, I don't mind it. But again, they were like saying, oh, we probably got to get under two and a half hours. We can't do it three hours, anything like that. But it's like, you know, this is going to be like going to make billions. And you've seen it before where movies of three hours to three and a half hours will make a billion dollars. So why can't they just commit to making a three hour Avenger movie or something like that? I mean, the last uh, Return of the King was three and a half hours long and they made a billion dollars worldwide. So at this point, the the character roster is probably only going to grow. It's only going to get big. It's just like the X Men movies, where they're just going to get the roster is going to get bigger and bigger because you got to add new characters every every movie. Yeah, and I think that it is going to become difficult to give each character their due within the time constraints of a of a two and a half hour movie. 
And I thought that they did a decent job in this one. Um, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I can't really think of anybody that got kind of pushed to the back. Um, yeah, I thought that they did. They did an okay job with it. Mm-hmm. I yeah. probably could have done with a little less of the Hawkeye uh, stuff. I actually love but... Hawkeye stuff because I like Hawkeye, and like they didn't do with them in the first one. Now they just totally flat out was like, "Hey, you're Hawkeye." Yeah, Which I mean, they, they... Was, like, set up for the uh, the misdirection. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was surprised that they spent a little time with War Machine and and a very little time with Falcon. Um, mm-hmm. That that was a surprise, especially the fact that we got to see them fight. I didn't. Yeah. I really. I thought that they were gonna have like that that one scene at the beginning where it was like a party and they just pop in as cameos. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that. I don't know. That that might be a spoiler to say that they fight, but whatever. Yeah. Not giving oh. away the ending, so. Well, they're in there, so. Yeah. This is a big battle, so they're going to need help. Yeah. So. All right. And well, any any final thoughts on Age of Ultron? Um, it, For me, it delivered everything I hoped for. It was my third most anticipated movie of the year, and for me, it delivered. I mean, it wasn't as good as the first, but I still... It's pretty hot. It's not as good as Winter Soldier, and probably not many of them are going to be. But, uh, I thought it's definitely one of the better uh, Marvel movies. I had a good time with it. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was fun. I, you know, there were some issues with the plot. Like, like I said before, there were things that, about it that I felt may have been a little bit too too relying a little too heavily on the oh this is coming up like just stay tuned stay tuned because we've got big things coming and i was just a little bit uh tired of that but overall i would say yeah i mean go see it of course go see it it's it's a fun it's a fun time i mean there were plenty of scenes that had me you know reverting back to my 12 year old self which (laughs) is all i could ask for in a movie like this so Let's go ahead and give it a score out of ten. What are you What are you going to give Age of Ultron out of ten? I went a uh, nine out of ten. Nine That's, out of ten. Uh, wow. Yeah, I think I gave the original a nine and a half, or maybe even a ten. I can't remember. I think it was nine. I gave the original. Yeah, I gave the original a nine and a half. So I I loved it. This one, uh, I'll go ahead and give it a. Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half out of ten. Uh, it's wow. it's worth it's worth seeing, but I just didn't. Maybe my expectations were a little bit too high for it, but I just didn't uh, wasn't floored by it like like some of the other. That ones. almost sounds like how I felt about Man of Steel. <laughs> Man of Steel, yeah, I think, I, uh, I think I gave that like a, like a six out of ten, and where the others I, I get like eights, nines, and tens out of ten. <laughs> Man of Steel, I yeah. think I gave that a six too, or maybe even like a four. Yeah. No, I think it was a six. Yeah I was, yeah, I was just totally underwhelmed by that one, but yeah, I I ate Age of Ultron up. So. Hmm. Well, that's I drank the I Kool Aid, and I, I'm an I'm an I'm a diabetic, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, you know. I mean, if you're if you're on board, if you're if you're a Marvel fanboy, then you're you're not going to go wrong with this. At this point, I think for the for the people that are fully invested in this Marvel Studios universe, I think that it's going to be difficult for them to even make a movie that you're not going to like. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Ant-Man could be that one that's a misstep, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, everybody says that there's got to be a time we're just not going to hit it out of the park. Everyone thought it was going to be Guardians, and that turned out to be fantastic. Yeah, and, uh, and Guardians uh, ended up being knows? one of my favorites out of 
the whole se- the whole lineup. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's funny because at first when they when they first started this whole endeavor with Iron Man, I was trepidatious about every single one of them. I went in mm-hmm. cautiously to every single one of them because at yeah. that point, uh, superhero movies sucked. They were bad. I mean, they were all just not. They were all cash grabs and none of them were very good i mean yeah. some of them were okay but none of them were just amazing and it took yeah. a long time like it it took it took me a long time to just flat out just be on board and just get excited mm-hmm. about anything marvel studios put out that's pretty much and, and like that's kind of how i'm feeling about all the warner brothers right. dc stuff now mm-hmm. where i'm war i'm concerned about anything they Batman v Superman, very concerned about that one. Yeah, I'm like, sure, stylistically, it's cool. Sure, Affleck looks great as Bruce Wayne and Batman, but I'm like, it's Snyder. Yep. So I I thought Watchmen was one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen, and that was fantastic, but he just hasn't. Man of Steel was no Watchmen. Sucker Punch was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like uh, yeah, he has yet to deliver the goods and like it it looks like more style than substance to me it's so oh um, yeah and the fact that I, I think they're getting a little bit ahead of themselves with that movie just because i'm pretty sure they're going to be including almost everybody from uh the justice league in it mm-hmm. you know and right. without without any kind of backstory with those characters they're just going to throw and they're going they're going right into justice league after dawn of justice aren't they yeah. There's like no there's no individual films between Dawn of Justice and Justice League, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, that's why I'm like you're you gotta sell people these characters are not even gonna establish them in their standalone. It's like if I'm if I'm somebody who's never read a single comic book and I go to Justice League, it's like who's this water guy? Who's this who's this woman with the golden lasso? Like I don't know who these people are. Why should I care? I'm like, oh, there's a Justice League too? I don't know who these are, I don't care. <laughs> Then they eat their own movie and their own adventure. I'm like, wait, why didn't they do that the first time? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I don't have know. No idea. Uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about it. Of, of course, I'll go see it, but I don't know. I'm, I think I'm actually more excited to see how but, the Suicide Squad turns out than I am Batman v Superman. Still not a hundred percent sold on that. Yet. Oh no, I'm not either. No, I'm not. I'm not hundred percent sold on anything. I'm, not, I'm like. Like I'm not convinced as him as the Joker. I'm like, and then Will Smith. I'm like, all right, I guess. <laughs> I can't picture Will Smith as a villain. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I'm I'm curious because I'm I am a fan of Suicide Squad. It's one of the few comic books I still read, and uh, I yeah, I'll be interested to see how David Ayer, who and is really hit or miss for me, thing where they're just jumping, mm-hmm. and because they're jumping right into a cadre of ones that haven't even been established. Any other movies? I'm like, that's true. Uh, aren't these guys like supposed to fight Batman? I'm like, what are they already doing in prison? Or when does this take place? Yeah. So like, are these are these same people going to play those villains when they go up against him in standalones if they ever do that? Like, I just I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know, especially with the Joker, you know, because if they. I mean, the Joker was never in the Suicide Squad in the comic books. He kind of hated the whole idea of the Suicide Squad. And why would the Joker ever be on a 
what basically is a good guy team. You know, I don't think so. Mm. I, I don't. Yeah, think I never really, would. I never really read anything on Suicide Squad. So Har- Harley, Harley Quinn was she's in the Suicide Squad, but the as far as it, to my knowledge, the Joker never wanted to be involved with with the Suicide Squad, but. Yeah, it's because they're they're good guys, you know, like they're kind of doing they're they're sort of anti-heroes. Yeah, well, aren't they like being forced to do? There's yeah, they're sort of they're sort of being forced. They're like they're in prison and they agree to go on these covert missions to shave off time from their prison sentences. Hmm. Hmm. They they introduced the Suicide Squad in the uh, Arrow TV show, but they really fucked it up. So it's not really. <laughs> uh, I never I never really watched any of the TV uh, series. I don't. I'm not a big fan. I watch Arrow just because it ties in with the Flash, and I really like the Flash TV series. And uh, I I don't like Arrow, but whatever. All right. Anyway, now that we got off on our uh, superhero comic book tangent there, yeah. any final thoughts on Age of Ultron? Um, well, for me, it delivered. I mean, granted, it wasn't it's ad, not as good as, but pretty damn good for me at least. And uh, yeah, I mean, did... I don't want to. I don't want to come off as as uh, feeling like I didn't like it. I thought it was. I, I did like it. It was fun. And I had a great time. It just didn't uh, blow me out of the water like some of the other uh, Marvel entries. And right. you can read. We have a review up on the site. Uh, Blake actually reviewed it for us. He gave it a, a six. And a lot of the stuff that he points out in, in his review, which is quite good, I, I agree with. But I still think that uh, overall I liked it more than he did. Mm-hmm. But he it wasn't that he necessarily hated it either. So. Right. I think what it boils down to is if you uh, still like the the style that they have, where they're building everything up to the next thing, or if you're you know growing tired of that. It's pretty much what it is. Right. So, either way, it's uh, still worth seeing in the theater. So absolutely go see it in the theater on the big screen, and uh, I'm sure it's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah, I think it's uh, anyway. 187 this weekend. It was the was it the second second highest highest, uh, highest Friday, uh, second highest Friday, second uh, largest three day weekend. And interestingly enough, Marvel owns the three highest opening weekends of all time. <laughs> Jeez, Avengers, Avengers two, and Iron Man three. <laughs> wow. So. Yeah, these guys are going away anytime soon. Well, hopefully they'll they'll keep the momentum up now that uh, Joss Whedon is leaving the uh, yeah. leaving the group, and hopefully yeah. they'll be able to pick up and continue. and And soon, soon, a lot of these actors are not going to be involved anymore. You know, Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s. Yeah, you think that a lot of them like seven movie contracts and like yeah, like. Downey's almost down to his last. So. Yeah, like Chris Evans is probably getting close to his last. But, but yeah. I think you know, fans of the comics know that these characters move on, so I'm sure that's what most people are anticipating. I think so, you can't have Tony Stark, uh, Robert Downey playing him at 80. So yeah, and I, I think that one one thing that 
they should do, and it seems like maybe they're trying to do, is slowly introduce new characters to replace other characters. You can't just do it all at once. You can't just have an, another Avengers and have a completely new team. And you can't. Yeah. You also can't start over like completely, you know, yeah. with all new characters in their own individual movies and then do another brand new Avengers. You can't do it like well, that did, either. Uh, Kevin Feige, Feige, however you pronounce his last name, got teased that by the end of Infinity War, you'll be looking at a new event. So, well, as so long the as question it's... is, who will it be? Well, who knows? Well, and I think that that's one of the main reasons that they introduced Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in, in this one is that in the comic books, when the new Avengers team got assembled, it was the two of them were part of that. So I think that that's partially why they chose those characters to bring in. Um, but I'm hoping that it's not <laughs> not the people that we already know uh, as far as the the side characters or the smaller B team, because that's just, right, you right. need some bigger, you need some heavy hitters in there. Now well, you got Black Panther and Doctor Strange coming in before Infinity War. So I think those should be uh, significant. Yeah. Those are, the, they're, yeah, they're significant. And especially if they get Spider-Man, that'll be really great. Oh yeah. If, and if that guy too. Get, <laughs> if <laughs> they can get Spider-Man. Well. But I mean, it's funny though, when you look back, when, Marvel Studios started this whole thing. Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, they were not like the A team mm-hmm. characters. They were at the time, they yeah. were not popular characters in the yeah. comic books or in movies or in any form. So the movies basically made these characters the A team. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe they can do that with some more of these smaller characters, but I would love to see them bring Daredevil in and. I would love to see Punisher yeah. get in there. Or, but I guess if, the the interesting thing would be is I'm sure they gotta have every intention of bringing the Defenders into the whole fray, right? Because obviously the Defenders are going to be like a, a near R-rated franchise. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, like, are they going to really like uh, soften them up for <laughs> for a PG-13 universe? I, yeah, I they exist in how... the same universe, but they're so hard R. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna work. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I guess we'll have to see how the other like uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage and uh, how those series play out uh, if they're gonna be as dark as Daredevil. Because uh-huh. I mean, they always said before Daredevil came out that it's gonna be like a darker vision of the Marvel you know universe, but it was pretty surprising how dark they went with that show. I mean, I mean, and, and it opens opens the flood doors for other characters. Like they could finally, I thought Blade was fantastic, but now they can really do Blade right, and then uh, Blade One, and then uh, Punisher can be redone on Netflix easily, and that should be a really good series. So, well, yeah, I mean, if they're doing Daredevil, Daredevil and Punisher, they've always kind of played in the same world. So, I, I would love to see Punisher get in get involved because he was always one of my favorites, and the the Punisher Max series that Marvel put out where that was very adult. Uh, I loved that, that series. So uh, I think that'd be really cool. I remember reading one where I remember him fighting Wolverine and he literally was like, I don't have time for this. And then he runs Wolverine over with a steamroller <laughs> and yeah. half a Wolverine is underneath the steamroller. He's like, get the fuck back here. And Punisher's just walk away. Don't worry. He'll heal back. <laughs> Yep, 
like, I would love to that see cool. that. I, I, th- I think it'd be great to see uh, Punisher in this world. It'd be really cool. I think um, I thought they teased something. Uh, it was in one of the Marvel one shots or whatever that they have on the Blu-ray. Uh, the I can't remember which one it was. It was one that involved the Mandarin. Have you seen that? I can't remember which Blu-ray it was on. But but they did a Marvel one shot that, that Iron Man three one. Yeah, maybe that was it. Iron Man three. Well, no, because wasn't it wasn't that because Actually, Mandarin. I haven't seen that one shot yet. But um, there was a thinking. Well, whatever whatever Blu-ray that was on, uh, the Marvel one shot that. That's it. Yeah, that's it. It it alluded to uh, the Punisher. There was a there was a little tease about the Punisher in that, if I remember correctly. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be in there somewhere. I remember. I can't remember if it was one of the TV series or one of the movies where they mentioned Castle. Something about it's like, oh, you want to send you after Castle or something? Or want me to send you to Castle? <laughs> or someone's like, oh, Punisher. Oh. Yeah, I mean they they own the rights to him now, so they could they could put him in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Blade too. Yeah, <laughs> and, yep, and Blade. So that that'd be awesome. All right, well, I think that that wraps it up for this. Thank you so much, Ernie, for taking some time to talk with us. Sure, Excelsior. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I don't remember who we 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 haven't done this. It was a long so time long. ago. It was a long time it's been ago. Forever. So we'll, We'll just start with you, Kevin. Uh, what do you What do you got? What are some movies you'd like to highlight that you saw recently? Okay, I finally saw a girl walks home alone at night. Oh yeah, finally got to see that bad boy because it's up on Netflix Instant. Oh yeah, I saw what that. a what a fucking joyous day that was when that popped up. So excited, been waiting forever to see this bad boy, and uh, I gotta say, pretty successful debut. Number one, mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's a bit light, bit light. There's not much going on here, but it looks fantastic. It has a great uh, has a great atmosphere to it, mm-hmm. and I just I loved the character of the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but and it starts off so damn strong. That first you know the first um, interaction between the girl and uh, the the drug dealer slash pimp at yeah. his house, where he's just going line after line, and then he starts you know pumping iron because that's just what you do, I guess. Course, I guess yeah. I guess that's what cocaine makes you do, make you work out. Sure. Is that a side effect of cocaine? <laughs> I don't know, but he's just insatiable <laughs> urge to pump iron. Apparently, I don't know, and also get terrible haircuts and terrible, terrible facial hair. But you know, and she's just standing there, just whatever, while this guy's doing his thing, and then just everything that happens after that is just like holy shit! I got so jazzed up because. She just destroys this guy in the most perfect way possible. And I just, I was immediately sold. I'm completely in, 100%. But then it just kind of, just kind of, you know, shuffled about from there. Yeah, like when the love story. Yeah, then the love story kicks in and just, you know, it's just, it felt very meandering. And I thought, I thought we had something special there. But again, it's, it's a successful debut in my mind because I, I'm very excited to see what's what's to come in the future. Mm-hmm. It's just it was a, yeah. just a bit too thin for me. I liked it. I, 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 I enjoyed it too. I just I didn't think it was anything amazing or 
special. It was exciting in the sense that, okay, what what am I going to see down the road? Because you, you can easily tell that she has something, yeah. that we're going to get something great. It just uh, wasn't thought, a girl walks home alone at night. It just yeah. wasn't that, but we're getting something. Well, I thought that movie was gorgeous, and I love the... Oh, yeah. I love the... I love the soundtrack on it as well. And I just love the fact that they just throw things in because it looks great. Like the girl when she's like strafing the wall on the skateboard. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's no reason for that to be there, but it looks fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I liked that one a lot, actually. Uh, let's see. What did I what did I see? Uh, Tales of the Grim Sleeper. Okay. Now, this is a documentary that premiered on HBO this week. So I guess if you have HBO Go or HBO Now, the new the new streaming service, uh, it's probably on there. I don't have HBO Now, so I'm not sure how that works. If it's the same yeah. as HBO Go, where it like pops up right when it airs. Um, man, great poster on this movie. I just noticed the poster. I have not. Looks seen. awesome. I don't think I've seen the poster. It's like a handprint. Looks like a orangish orangish brown handprint. Uh, so basically, this is a documentary by Nick Broomfield. It's about um, a a serial killer in South Central Los Angeles who killed possibly up to 180 women. Good lord! And which makes him one of the most prolific serial killers in history, in in at least the United States history. Uh, so the thing about the movie is. Nick Nick Broomfield, he goes to South Central. He starts interviewing people who lived in the neighborhood. The guy's name is Lonnie Franklin, the killer. Okay. And he gets, at the beginning of the film, he gets arrested. He's in jail. Charged with um, not all of the murders, but I think, I can't remember. It's terrible. I think maybe like 20 of them or something. And... So Nick Broomfield goes to South Central. He's interviewing friends of Lonnie's, uh, people that knew him, neighborhood people. And he's basically trying to get to know who this guy is and and figure out why he would do this and and understand the culture behind it. But also understand why uh, he got away with it for two decades, you know, since the 80s. And it kind of goes from your standard uh like crime documentary to this statement on how law enforcement treats uh poor black neighborhoods and it's uh it's all very interesting i mean it's really really well made um i like nick broomfield i like his style where (laughs) through the whole movie i mean he you see him throughout the whole movie it's not like he's behind the camera and he's just walking around he's this this british guy just walking around not even giving it not even caring not a care in the world on this guy he's walking around some of the roughest neighborhoods in south central los angeles and he's got these big headphones on and a boom mic and he's just <laughs> walking around people are yelling at him and telling him to get the fuck out and at one point he's interviewing a guy and gunshots there's like gunshots ring out and he just stands there and he's like looking around but uh one of the most interesting things about this movie is that he meets up with a former prostitute who knew this Lonnie guy and she kind of just takes over production of the whole movie and ends up showing him around to all these 
seedy looking spots. Like she takes him to a crack house and she, she finds all these people and she ends up finding all of these survivors yeah. of, of this guy. See, this and is, that, this is what that ma- was really... makes me want to watch this because I just heard that. I think it was Friday, Friday. There was a, they did a, a thing on NPR and the, you know, they had her on discussing the movie <laughs> and stuff. And that's what makes me want to watch this thing. Yeah, she's a she's a character. She is really interesting. She's funny. She's she's a little sassy. Got that sass? But yeah, she's she's great. And she ends up finding like 10 women just on her own. <laughs> she does all the work. Yeah. Just a matter I mean, of she, weeks. It's crazy. She does the work in a matter of weeks with the police. The police had I think one. They had one survivor as a witness, and that was it. So, like I said, the the movie is as much a a statement on uh, how the how police and and law enforcement handle this type of thing, and and you know, would this have gone on for so long if it was in a predominantly white nope. middle or upper class neighborhood? Nope. No, of course it wouldn't. <laughs> nope. Of course it wouldn't. You don't even have also, to think about that question. It, it it doesn't look the best, but if you've seen any of Nick Broomfield's other movies, he kind of goes for this uh, like purposefully low quality look. It's hard to describe, but uh, I still highly recommend it. Very very uh, interesting documentary. Mm-hmm. I have one that's not interesting that you saw as well. Adult Beginners. Oh yeah, Frost <laughs> Frost Cats. Yeah, Nick Kroll and Rose Byrne and. Bobby Cannavale, Joel McHale for some reason is on the poster. He's on the poster. <laughs> he's in. He's in. I think two scenes of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a total screen time of like two minutes. No, uh, but man, this was this was not funny. No, not funny at all. Which is, I don't think I. I don't know if I laughed even once. The only thing that got there was two things that got me. There was the sconces. How they yep. just kept going with the scon- you know, and they would just kept showing scenes, and there would be more sconces on the wall. Yeah, and they're all <laughs> over the house. It's just like a line of sconces up the stairs, like one every like two inches. They just kind of went crazy with the sconces, and uh, the the interaction with uh, Bobby Moynihan. Yeah, that was. I funny. thought that was kind of funny, but everything else just felt completely flat, and it's just it's really the script's fault because everyone. The performances are good. They just don't really have anything to do. Yeah. Because it's, I, I, I don't know what this movie's going for. I don't know if it's trying to be a comedy or if it's trying to be this touching story about family. You know, it's all over the place. And nothing really works. It never really yeah. came together and gelled. Yep, I, I completely agree. I just found it to be very generic in the end. The The... The storyline was just not that interesting. No, and then right at the beginning too, I'm like, okay, so who, you know, who's the cheater? Who's cheating? And when are they gonna add that in? And of course yeah, they do. Of course, gotta have that cheating in there. And then it goes into this really weird place with the Josh Charles character with Nick Kroll getting a new job, and it's like they're trying to go for something else completely different. Like at the end of the movie, for some reason. Well. A lot of the movies about how he put his job and career ahead of his family, because because they kept mentioning like when 
that yeah, their mom yeah. was sick and he wasn't there. And I think that, that they put that in towards the end so that we could know that they learned from each and, other. Yeah, but, Every, they did, but they didn't develop it that well in the beginning. And then they try and tack it on at the end. And it just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'm sorry. You just can't not develop it and then tack it on at the end and expect it to have this be a big, important moment for Nick Kroll's character, where he still seemed like pretty much a douche at the end. A little bit. A little bit. He's not as much of a douche as as he is in, as his character is in the league. Yeah. But uh, but he's still kind of a douche. Still kind of a douche. That is correct. Yeah, that, this movie didn't work for me at all. And either. then I don't understand why you have Jane Krakowski in there as not a funny character. Like, <laughs> like why are you going to use Jane Krakowski for that? I don't, I don't get that. What? That's a waste. So many people are wasted here. Yeah. Oh, oh, god. Jason, Jason Manzukis too. Yeah, he's just completely there. wasted. Why? Why is that there? And then that whole side plot with him. Oh my goodness, this fucking movie. Fuck. Yeah, it's just a wasted opportunity. I didn't, really I didn't is. hate it. It was just a, it was it, nothing. It was like see, it was middle of the road. Exactly. For me. It was, it was nothing for me as well. But now, as I'm like trying to discuss it, it's pissing me off. Yeah, like I, I originally gave this a two and a half on Letterbox, but as we're talking about it, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, I feel like that score is starting to drop. It's just like I'm remembering new things. Yeah, like after I initially saw it, I was just like, eh, eh. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like it's just an inoffensive waste of time, and you yeah, just try like, and move on from it. But then when you're forced to discuss it and think about it, right? you're just kind of pissed off that it took your time. Like, why? Why did you take my time like that? Damn you, adult beginners. Damn you, adult beginners! And they, you know, there's the whole the swimming thing. What? Oh yeah, that that was dumb. That was just and they're like terrified of swimming for some reason, but that's never really explained or developed. But well, then it like it plays a, a huge part towards the end. There's a throwaway line where they say that their their parents never taught them to swim. Yeah, that, but it, like, is that such a big deal that your parents didn't teach you how to swim? Like, you well, seem uh, to be all, okay with your entire it's life. It's all a metaphor, swimming. Kevin. It's all a metaphor. I'm sure it's a fucking metaphor. I'm sure this. <laughs> it's about them making making their way in life I thought swimming it, on their own i thought this shit was about sconces that's what i thought <laughs> oh god skip that yeah skip that that's that's my roundabout way of saying skip adult beginners if you do want to see it i think it's on vod right now but you don't you don't want to see it i saw cobain montage of heck you and your fucking docs man yeah this is actually another like HP. non-stop docking. <laughs> non-stop docking. Well, i got to tell you, I'm a little sick of them, honestly. <laughs> you say that every time, too. <laughs> a little sick of them. Uh, this is another HBO documentary that will be airing on Monday. It's playing in limited release right now. Um, I, I thought that this was an incredible documentary. I'm not a big Nirvana fan. I'm not a big Kurt Cobain fan. I was never one of those guys, you know. Every every school, every class has their one kid that wears the Nirvana T-shirt every single day. Oh yeah, yeah. It was ours. Or cor- or corn T-shirt. I'm not gonna name names. <laughs> we had various kids in our class that would wear Nirvana shirts a lot. All about them. Or corn or or corn shirts. Yeah, M- more than likely corn shirts. <laughs> <laughs> corn. <laughs> 
Oh, corn shirts. Um, <laughs> so this this documentary is the only authorized documentary about Kurt Cobain. It's directed by Brett Morgan, and man, the way that this was such a surprise. I think that that's the big keyword for this movie is surprising because you see uh, this that this is coming out, and you just think, oh, it's going to be a rock doc. It's going to be another biopic about Kurt Cobain like we like we need that but when you see it you're just like holy shit what they did with this was so different than what you would expect first of all the interviews that he does are kept to a minimum they're they're only in there to kind of support everything else in the documentary gotcha so very very few interviews just uh he he does just enough to support everything else in it without making it feel like a talking head documentary, because this is certainly not a talking head documentary. Yeah. Uh, the movie is just full of super eight footage, uh, journal entries of Kurt Cobain, audio, audio journals that he, that he did, uh, you know, concert footage, all this stuff, pictures, tons of pictures. And basically they, had access to this huge archive of content that the the family had that they never released to the public or anything. So you just have all of this stuff and the way that they present it is so good. A lot of it's animated, but it's, it's like uh, sort of looks like cell shaded style animation. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like uh waltz with Bashir's that, that style. Yeah. And it's so fucking good. Like, this animation is... I wish the whole movie was like that, because it's really good. Mm, I'm going to have to check uh, this one out. Just, yeah, fantastically done. Uh, the What they do with his notebooks, because he kept journals and notebooks and things. They animate those, too. And those look really cool, too, how they did that. Kind of just brings everything to life. Uh, really, really interesting documentary. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't... F- I mean... Maybe I feel like I know Kurt Cobain a little bit better. Um, he just seems like a dick to me, <laughs> which I thought was interesting because when I first heard that it was an authorized documentary, I was like, oh, they're going to probably sugarcoat a lot of stuff and, and make him out to be this, you know, just amazing saint. Yeah. The old and they, they didn't. Yes, exactly. And they didn't. They didn't really do that. They they kept everything very, at least to me, it seemed very honest and intimate about everything. But he was just not a pleasant person. He just didn't seem like a nice guy. He seemed like a douchebag. He seemed very selfish. And uh, one interesting <laughs> thing. I don't know why. I just love the idea. After you watching Kurt Cobain, you're just like, this guy's a dick. Douchebag. Hey, if you see it, you'll realize that he does seem like a dick. That is like that's you just sold me on it because of that. I just want to watch it now to see if he is an asshole slash douche douchebag. I think you'll find that he is. I think you'll find that he is. We'll see. Dave Grohl's not in this, which I thought was really weird. I see that as a good thing. It's just odd. It is not it is kinda odd. He's not in there at all, and they don't even I mean, there's pictures of him and there's footage of him, obviously, but they don't mention him. They don't interview him. He's just I'm sure he not in did, it at all. I'm sure he didn't agree because he 
He's too busy foo fighting. Well, the other guy's in it, Chris Novoselic or whatever his name is. Isn't he? In, didn't he go with the Foo Fighters? No, he started. Oh, really? Yeah, he started his own band. I forget what his was called. Oh, I thought that he went over to the Foo Fighters also. No, he didn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell wants to be in the Foo Fighters? I thought it was weird that he wasn't in there, and and his. Uh, I understand that his daughter. Kurt Cobain's daughter, Frances. I understand why maybe she wouldn't be in there, because she probably doesn't really remember anything about her dad, but I think that it would have been interesting to see her, because they talk a lot about her, so maybe having her included in it would be uh, good. Probably would have liked to seen that, but mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, it's, uh, it's like two and a half hours long. Oh, boy. It's, yeah... Or two hours and 20 minutes, somewhere around there. Uh, Letterbox says 132 minutes, and I think that uh, IMDb says like 145 or something. So it's a longer documentary, but it, they cover a lot of ground with it. So even if you're not a big fan of Nirvana, I would say it is worth a look. Because it is probably one of the best rock docs I've ever seen. Great music, too. Great soundtrack. I mean, it's not just your standard Nirvana stuff. They have a lot of really interesting covers and stuff on there too. Nice. So yeah, that's a Kurt Cobain montage of heck airing on HBO on Monday. Mm. All right. I have, uh, I watched Al Pacino's first, uh, narrative feature from 2000 called Chinese coffee based, based on a play by Ira Lewis. And it's essentially just, it's a filmed play. It's what it is. He just took the play and just made it a movie with no creativity or his voice whatsoever. <laughs> he didn't inject anything into it. It's just a film play, which is, it's okay in one sense because I, I don't get the chance to see plays. So fantastic. I get to see it. That's great. It's essentially just him um, playing opposite side of uh, Jerry Orbach, who I'm a big fan of. And it's just them two essentially playing two unsuccessful writers having this uh, late night conversation slash argument, very cathartic. And they just throw a lot of shit out there on the table and they just get into it. And it's just all in Orbach's apartment, except that he throws in some, some of these dissolves that go back into the past and things that happened with his, with his girlfriend and things that happened with Orbach's wife and stuff like that. But the, all of that is just, it, it's terribly done because I just hate dissolves and it's just, awful and there's just, just some terrible uh musical choices just makes it really seem sappy and sentimental but the 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 heart of it the the pacino and orbach discussion conversation argument whatever you want to call it the back and forth it's fantastic it's extremely well written it's wonderfully acted by pacino and orbach and it's just it's great it's great but at the same time it being essentially a film play it's really no reason for this to be a film. Like you can just listen to it and you get just as much out of it as if you were watching it. The visuals of this movie add absolutely nothing to it unless you're excited to see Al Pacino in a beret and that's it. And some terrible clothes cuz he's kind of he's kind of haggard looking. Hmm. Okay. But and how you know, it's good stuff. If you like those, you know, kind of one setting 
just dialogue heavy films, check this out. You won't be I disappointed. If you're if you're into that, you won't be disappointed. And if you can get past the whole, you know, it's just a film play, which I can't for some reason because I need some visuals. I need something. I need some reason for it to be a film. Yeah. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Hmm. And this is how did you see I, this? I got this on DVD. It used to be playing, but it's not anymore. Okay. Oh, you could probably check it out on uh you could probably rent it on Amazon or something. It's called Chinese Coffee. I saw one called The Drownsman. This is a horror movie that came out on VOD this weekend. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a throwback to the 80s or 90s style supernatural slashers, sort of like Nightmare on Elm Street or Candyman, where there's a, a killer that's attacking you and using a, like a, employing a supernatural method nice. in which to... yes get his victims yes this one doesn't really work though he uses uh, water oh <laughs> uh, what he gets, he, he gets you through water how so anytime there's like say a bathtub or a puddle he can come in and get you through there oh so he just moves between water yeah like puddles puddles of water. so it's kind of like the box yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you remember when they when they injected the water thing into the box god that fucking movie <laughs> sorry back to this water thing i forgot that movie existed <laughs> but anyway uh so it's just not it wasn't for me I, I thought it was pretty stupid the um it's kind of interesting to have a hook like that where oh the killer gets you through water you gotta avoid water uh but it, it just breaks its own rules a lot <clears throat> and like first of all the human body's made up of 60% water. I was just going to say water. this. You just come in through your body and you explode? So, if he wants to kill you, why wouldn't he just come in through your through your body? So, they don't and take advantage of that? No, they don't. Oh, you I think they kidding me. Yeah. Second, he, I guess, has the ability to make water appear wherever he wants. Well, There's a scene... Like You're right. There's a scene where the the girls that he's going after... And of course, it's a group of girls uh, that he's going after. They're in an elevator, and he makes water pour in through the ceiling of the elevator. And it's like, okay, well, if you can just make water appear wherever you're at, why don't you just do that all the time? You know, just make water appear wherever you're at and go after them constantly until you get them. Uh, The main character, who there's, there's a big twist on who she is which is kind of dumb. Uh, she has a fear of water because there's a scene that happens at the beginning of the movie. She has kind of a near-death experience involving water, and she has vision, a vision of this killer. And from that point, she's deathly afraid of water, so much so that she can't even drink a glass of water. She has to have a, an IV okay. installed to... <laughs> hydrator yeah if you're and the thing is if she's that afraid of water she looks very clean throughout this movie so yeah wouldn't you just be completely dirty all the time yeah how would you be cleaning yourself can't be taking showers you're so afraid of water that you can't even drink it like she's afraid of rain anytime it rains she's like paralyzed in fear but she's okay with Putting said water into a bag 
and then hooking it up to a tube that goes directly into her arm, I'm guessing. Maybe. And hydrating maybe, that way. Maybe she was okay with it because it was like maybe some sort of saline solution or something. And she knew it wasn't pure water or something. Still, it's still got some water in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Yeah, this was a miss for me. This one didn't, didn't, did not work on really any level. Mm. Again, it, it was an interesting hook, but they just didn't do anything really that cool with it. I mean, most of the time, it involved people in bathtubs, and I mean, there was a cool scene where there was a sink running, and it pulled somebody in through a sink, and it was kind of a cool effect. But eh, yeah, the acting was piss poor too and the script was pretty bad so if you want to see the drowns man it is available on vod right now that's a terrible name but for I, it i know the drownsman <laughs> the drownsman and it seemed like of course there was a big twist at the end that lets you know this isn't over and it just uh, seemed like the the director was trying to set this up for a, a franchise yeah which is exactly what we need chad archibald get that money franchising it oh boy i watched a horror movie too oh yeah i watched alice sweet alice from 1976 oh as per your your challenge oh yeah what'd you think of this well one? i think i'm like eight deep in your challenge and what you're I... one deep you fucking dick Look, I, i'm i'm gonna get there no, i not. have you're not one of the one of the reasons that i signed up for hulu plus was so that i could watch all these movies that you're challenging me so i'm gonna get there i just all right. I'm so busy, but don't worry. The um, challenge will be complete by the end of the year. Okay. I have a feeling you're just going to wait, and then like the last week, you're just going to watch all of them. That could happen. <laughs> not going to say that that's not, not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, Alice, sweet Alice. Okay. This one. I got to say, as, as much as I don't like remakes, I would like to see this be remade, because there's a lot of interesting things going on here. But some of them are just they're just not developed enough they just kind of touch on things like you know like okay we'll just bring it up and hopefully that's enough to be interesting or what have you Mm -hmm. but man it's it's got it's got its moments it's got a great killer it's creepy as shit that killer's creepy there's a lot of creepy stuff the doll why the fuck did they make dolls like that why did kids have they made that a doll for that kid for a kid that's got two faces why why is that a thing? People give their kids that? I saw this movie not not too long ago, and I thought that it was like genuinely frightening. This, there's just just the the mask. Yeah, I thought the mask the, was the mask, really creepy. Creepy. The raincoats are creepy. The the doll that she has is creepy. I mean, it's got two fucking faces on it. Yeah. Why are you giving that to kids? That's terrible. Terrible parenting. And, and then you have some... Alfonso. I mean. <sighs> I, he has a massive stain on his pants. Oh yeah, right at the crotch. He's a he's not, a gross dude. Not once is it talked about. Not even brought up. No one mentions it. What the fuck is going on there? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that, that dude's disgusting. And he's got cats everywhere. There's cats. Cat gets killed. There's there's so many things going on in this movie. It goes to some it, really it, dark places too. It does I some mean, interesting. There's... Like it's got you know it's got a, the whole hook with religion. Mm-hmm. religious aspects of it is i like that hook but again it's not fully developed to really be a hook like they you know they try and throw it in at the end and it's like okay that's kind of interesting but 
you're not like you don't really do anything with it outside of you know the fact that we can use religious imagery then it seems like the only reason that it it exists is so they can film inside of a church and then you know they have some of the with alice with her getting her period and you know the way that like alfonso looks at her and like touches her and stuff you know they kind of but they never fully go anywhere with that it's just there's a lot of stuff going on here but it just to me it did they didn't take it the whole way but i really wanted them to because i think you have a great movie here but what i saw was just a good movie mm-hmm. but there's the possibility for greatness with this one and that was the first thing i thought of when it was over i was like i want to see a remake of this i want someone to develop this a little bit more well maybe it might happen they did you read that they uh, are going to be remaking Don't Look Now? Yeah, uh, I don't know why they're doing that one. Yeah. I don't like the idea of that. That has raincoats, too. It does, yeah. So, fingers crossed. I just hope that they keep the perm. <laughs> like, the main character has to have a perm. If he doesn't have a perm, I don't understand what the point is. I bet he won't have a perm. He's not going to have a perm. And it's the film is going to suffer because of it. You gotta have a hook that keeps you interested the entire time, and that's a perm on a man. Okay. <laughs> mm. You have to very have... young. There's a very young Brooke Shields in Alice, Sweet Alice. Would you would you think of her in this? Oh, she gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she straight up gets murdered. Yep. There's a, there's good performances. The music's good. Uh, like the camera work. There's one scene that which is. After the first murder, and Alice is, you know, up front, like at the altar while they're doing communion and everything. And the way that the camera just pulls in on her, oh man, I thought that that was fantastic. There's a, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. I was surprised with this one. If I remember correctly, there was some kind of dis- the the violence was really disturbing in this one. Yeah, there's there's you know I'm kind of surprised some of the stuff that they did in this movie. I mean, yeah. You don't, you don't see that kind of. You don't usually see movies that involve brutally murdering and then, if I remember correctly, burning of young girls. Yeah, you know, strangling a twelve-year-old inside of a church and then dragging their dead, lifeless body, putting it in one of the pews and lighting it on fire during a church service. Yeah. You don't yeah. see that that often. Yeah, I'm not sure why, but you know, and the 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 policing. The policing in this movie, the police work is just terrible. The, the entire ending is just so ridiculous because the police are so incompetent and just some of the dumbest characters ever. I don't know why they let it go down the way that it did, but that was terrible decision making on their part. Yeah, they were just, pretty inept. Just terrible. What are you going to do? Cops. Yep. Fucking cops, man. That's Alice Sweet Alice. Uh, definitely, I recommend that one. I, I would I recommend it too. I'm, I'm, I'm recommending it. Next week you'll have to watch uh, Mad Max 2 because that's I put that on your list as well, and you should definitely see that before the new one comes out. I would say I should I should do that. Thanks for reminding me. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna watch both. I think of them. you should because I haven't I'll seen probably... the first one in a long time. The reason I gave you the second one is because I honestly think that that one's better. I think that that one's more representative. It's sort of like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yeah. You know where. Evil Dead 2 is kind of the one that it seems like he wanted to make from the beginning. Yeah. And I mean, Matt, the first Mad Max is good. It's just, I think that the second one is 
the best of the series. Second one's where it's at. Yeah. Uh, th- I didn't see anything else really that I need to talk about, so I, I'm I'm done. I'm done too. Let's just cut it there. All right, we're well, done. Let's go ahead and talk about some predictions. Last week, Avengers: Age of Ultron. You said seventy-two. I said seventy-six. Actual seventy-five. Uh, that's the only one we predict, except the <laughs> really the only big release. Yes. Last week. Next week. Next week is there's like nothing. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing worth mentioning coming coming out. I think wide release we have Hot Pursuit, which is that oh boy, buddy cop comedy with Reese Witherspoon and that looks uh, Sofia Vergara. That looks really mm. bad. It looks really bad. Yeah. Yeah. It it does. What are you thinking on it? I'm thinking like a 22. I will say 26 on that one. All right. I think that's the only wide release. There, that Brave Town one maybe is a wide release. I don't know though. Uh, in limited release, we have the D Train. That's the one with Jack Black. Uh huh. Looks pretty bad. Yeah. Looks. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrible poster for it as well. Uh, let's see. Noble. We have the hundred-year-old man who climbed out a window and disappeared. Why do you got a name? Why do you, why? Why do you have to make a title that long? Because I think it's I think it's the same. I think it was a book based mm-hmm. on a book or something. Yeah. But yeah, still, come on, it's too long. <laughs> I have a mild interest in seeing that one, though. It looks like a fun little romp. He's going to get stuff off of his bucket list. It seems that way. He'll probably learn, I bet he, learn and things. And I, I bet he dies at the end, too. More than likely. I mean, he's 100. S- yeah. And apparently he's, like, blowing stuff up with dynamite. And what? Being crazy. Ah, old people. It's funny. We have St. Laurent. We have Five Flights Up. We have Infinity, Brave Town. Maggie and playing it cool. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I'm interested. That, that is a solid line, huh? I'm interested in one movie out of all those. Which one are you interested in? Uh, Saint Laurent. Okay, that's it. I'm not. I'm not really that interested in that one. Next week on VOD, we have I Am Big Bird. That's the Carol Spinney one. Yeah. I did see that. That's that's worth checking out. I know. I thought that came out like. I don't know, like two years ago. I saw it at a festival last year. I don't even remember what, what festival I, that was at. But uh, We have Five Flights Up, Brave Town, Maggie, Infinity, Prego Land, okay. The 7-5, and Spike Island. Ooh, Spike Island. Spike Island. I'm not sure what that one's all about. Hopefully it's an island made out of spikes. Let's see. Uh, there's a story I want to be. About a wannabe rock band in Manchester who hatch a plan to hand deliver their demo tape to their idols, the Stone Roses. Well, that's that's a fucking missed opportunity. <laughs> it should be an island made out of spikes. That sounds awful. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, we have Amir and Sam. Eh, I'd say a light recommend on that. Probably not to buy it. I'd say just maybe get it on VOD if it's available. Uh, Black Sea, I do recommend that. I, I, I like Black Sea. Okay. Bl- Black or White, that's the Kevin mm-hmm. Costner. Yeah. Lost River, 
That was a quick turnaround on that one. I feel like that just came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Winter Sleep. Heard uh, great things about that. So Great. Finally. Finally. And another one that's finally coming out, Fifty Shades of Grey. I bet you're excited about that. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> no. I, aren't they doing like a whatchamacallit too? Isn't there a sequel already for that or something? Yeah. Well, it's not coming out till 2017. But they already announced it, right? They already have a a freaking teaser out for it. They have a teaser for a movie that's not coming out until 2017. Yeah. Fucking movies are out of control. (laughs) They are... Everything is just out of fucking control. This is just ridiculous. Any criterions next week? There are exactly zero criterions. Is it a holiday? Uh, Am I missing something here? I don't know. I know, like, Mother's Day, right? Is that next weekend? That's the only holiday that's coming up. That wouldn't prevent things from coming no, up, though. No, it wouldn't. It's just, I don't know, it's weird. Uh, Alright, well, I think that that'll wrap it up for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. Follow us on Twitter, at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And please take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse, and consider subscribing for as little as $1 a month. For Kevin Rakestraw and Ernie Trinidad, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.